Hey, Sarasota, it's Bob. So it's been a wonderful grind over the past 18 months. We've had some fabulous guests. We've produced over 150 episodes. and We've had over 10,000 listens from you wonderful folks in the greater Sarasota area. It's been a lot of fun, but also it's been a lot of work. And so we've decided to take a little bit of a break until this fall. When you check out other podcasts, you're going to see that most put out a new episode only once a week. We put out two, so of course that means there's twice the work. A lot of show notes, scheduling, guests, editing, etc., etc., etc. So we've decided to take a little break for the rest of the summer and we will resume this fall. And we'll let you know. But before I sign off, can you do me a little favor? Reach out to us via Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Drop us a little note. I'd like to know more about what you want to hear when we resume in the next couple of weeks. That'd be a big help because without you, dear listener, we would not exist. As always, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful summer, and we'll be back soon where you can listen, learn, and connect. Good morning, Sarasota. This is episode 47. Hello, Sarasota. This is Bob. Wow, I cannot believe how far we've come since launching in February. Our 50th episode is right around the corner, and it's going to be special. I'm not going to give it away just yet, but my guest is a certified celebrity. Yes, he's been in movies and featured in many media outlets, plus he recently got back from the Cannes Film Festival in France. However, he's known for something much, much more significant. He actually helped change the entire world of money and finance all before the age of 30, and he lives right here in Sarasota. If you're curious, then tune in on July 19th for a very special episode of Sarasota Stories. And now on to today's show. Dynamic, smart, overcomer. These words could easily be used as a tagline for an upcoming Hollywood movie. But I use them in all sincerity today to describe a friend of mine who continues to do big things even after the untimely loss of her husband, several years ago. Hi, I'm Bob Williams, your host for today's episode on the Sarasota Stories podcast. I created this podcast so you can get to know this wonderful town just a little bit better. I interview local artists and authors, entrepreneurs, civic leaders, doctors, business owners, and other fascinating people doing great work in impacting our community in positive ways. My guest today is Charlene Creel, or Char as I know her. She's the co-founder of PressusLLC.com. Pressus is a patented software that consolidates patient medical records across standard computer platforms. In today's episode, you'll learn one thing most people don't know about Char, where the idea for developing this critically needed software came from, how she found a team of designers and developers to create the software, the most difficult part of her journey, why she believes her company will have a profound impact on virtually every American, how she rebounded from the death of her husband to move forward in life, where Shara wants to take Pressus, how you can contact her to find out more and much, much more. Thank you for spending your valuable time with us today, as it is my hope you will listen, learn, and connect. Charlene Creel of Pracy Medical Informatics, welcome to the Sarasota Stories podcast. Thank you, Bob. I'm happy to be with you. You know, Charlene and I, or Char as I know her, uh, she and I are kind of laughing at each other because we are friends uh, at a 
a local club that she and I are both members of, and it's the first time I've really had a friend on the podcast here. But um, that's how that's how Char and I know each other. But Charlene, let me ask you a question. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? Well, I love to tell people that I actually acquired a black belt in my life. And when people would look at me at 5'2 and then raise their eyebrows, I would say, it's in a uh, professional part of my life. And I obtained that in a methodology called Lean Six Sigma, which is a methodology for process improvement. Oh, cool. That was GE. GE created that a number of years ago, correct? They did. And then lots of things morphed from there. But it's a great statistically based tool for using data, using data to improve processes. Right. I remember when that was the hot thing back when I was in business as well. And, uh, you know, if you got that designation, you you were somebody. I, I don't know that they would ever let me in the program. <laughs> <laughs> Waste their time on me. Well, that's that's very, very cool. Well, we're here today to talk about a what I think is a fascinating project that you have started. And it's not only the project itself, but because of where you are in this stage of life. And we're going to talk about that second part here a little bit later. But you are developing a fascinating piece of software that does some interesting things in the healthcare industry. It's called Precy Medical Informatics. What is that and what's it supposed to do? So I was presented with the opportunity and the idea to work on giving a vehicle for all of us as citizens in the U.S., to have our personal medical records be amalgamated, up-to-date, and accessible by all of us, which is something that most people in this country don't have available to them today. Mm. And so with two partners, we came upon the idea to create this system to pull the data together, something that was not happening across our, our country, and went in search of a development house to to do the programming for us and found a very creative one in Austin, Texas that Imagine that. Contracted imagine, with Imagine in Austin, yeah, go ahead. Healthcare technology, right? Hotbed yeah. of healthcare cool. technology. So we contracted for that development house to create the software for us and having had a career in in logistics for a medical products company and a degree in computer science as an undergraduate, I felt like I absolutely knew enough to develop a piece of software, put it in a shrink-wrapped box, and sell it somewhere, right? Why wouldn't I go about this? <laughs> Sounds a lot, you make it sound a lot easier than I'm sure what it is. But <laughs> So you were, you were with, uh, who was it? You were with Baxter Healthcare Corporation for a good chunk of your, your professional career? Correct, correct. Yeah, and so that's where you learned all the ins and outs of, you know, processes and medical record keeping and, and where the gaps were. And is, is that is that where it, it kind of came to you or? Actually, uh, with Baxter, I was involved on the provider side of the business. Mm. So we were a manufacturer and marketer of products and we worked with hospitals and uh, freestanding centers that were delivering healthcare. So that was my my background and my history. It really wasn't until my spouse at the time was diagnosed with a cancer 
that I got to see healthcare from the patient side. And, and I saw a whole different brand of healthcare than what I was working on, on the other side of the spectrum. And so when this concept of pooling our medical records together for us and our providers to, to use, to give us the best care possible and make the best decisions, uh, it was really a no brainer for me to, to raise my hand, to get involved. I wanted to do this. Wow. So, so you've really seen kind of like the entire scope of healthcare but from provider and also the patient and whatnot. Well, what did you discover when uh, your husband got ill? One of my biggest learnings was he was being treated at a, a nationally recognized cancer center here in Tampa. And he had the opportunity to be involved in many different clinical trials for new procedures, new drugs cutting edge, which frankly extended his life in a, in a quality way for longer than we could have hoped. And what I saw, though, was as we lived our lives during that time and traveled as he was involved in these clinical trials, I saw the danger involved of him taking a treatment, maybe having a drug information card that he could keep yep. in his wallet. That yep. frankly, when you took it out and expanded it, it was like an accordion. Yeah. And it, I was always concerned that if we were traveling, if we were with kids and grandkids in Illinois and he had a reaction or he had a medical issue, how in the world would would I attempt or he attempt to educate those right. urgent care providers about right. what's really happening with him? And, and that was the biggest gap that I saw, that accurate information being readily available about what's happening with the patient uh, is, is a scary thing that that's not there for us today. Wow. I mean, I mean, uh, several things are jumping in my head right now, because in the last 10 years, I've been from Cincinnati to Dallas, traveled internationally here in South Florida, and I've changed a couple of different doctors. And I have seen some of those gaps as well. They will pull the chart out and they'll say, well, you did, did you have did you have this shot? And I'm like, man, I can't remember I had this shot or not. Or, you know, you know, because when you hit my age, you, you have. Um, oh, shoot. What's what's the, the, the two shots you're always supposed to have for. Um, um, Meningitis? Uh, no, no, it's like it's a small it's, a, it's like a small pox or chicken pox type um uh, you know, I had chicken. You know, I had chicken pox as a kid, and all that sort of jazz. But anyways, you're supposed to have these two shots, you know. But when you hit your fifties or sixties, and uh, I mean, I couldn't remember when I had them or not. So I could see where where there's gaps. As a matter of fact, if you go back when I was a kid, um, I was at a hospital when I was a kid, and they almost gave me the wrong drugs because there was somebody with the same, you know, same name mm-hmm. as me. So that accuracy and records, I could see where it's just really, really essential. And frankly, it surprises the heck out of me that particularly with, you know, big technology companies today and whatnot, why this problem has not been solved. So the the history that I learned, because I wasn't aware of this, the and, and I know you said this is a family friendly podcast. I'm going to talk political here for just a moment, but I'm going to keep it family friendly. <laughs> Good. The in 08, the Affordable Care Act under Obama mandated that our records go from paper files to electronic systems. Yep. That was a great thing to have happen. It spawned an industry 
of those that built the systems to be utilized, right? And providers were incentivized monetarily by the government to get this done. Right. That was step one. What the government forgot to include in that mandate is that all those systems needed to be able to speak to each other, that there needed to be a common language. And so it left us very siloed in this now booming industry of electronic medical records. And so that's really the gap. And the government has now mandated, they realized the error, they've now mandated that the companies that hold the records open access to them so that software like mine has the ability to cut across all of them and go grab that information and pull it together. It's just happening very, very slowly. Yeah. And, and I'm, I, it's, it's interesting because as you were talking, I'm thinking about it used to be that Macs and Windows would not talk to each other because they were holding on to their data. They were holding on to their silos because it was valuable to them. And they didn't want yeah. they didn't want the software to talk to each other. Is some of that been going on in the industry, do you think? There have been attempts by consortiums of some of the system manufacturers to create networks that you have to subscribe to. Um, and it's either maybe people participate, maybe they don't. So it's hit or miss. Um, So it's very difficult to have all the data in one place. The largest electronic medical record system provider in the country is Epic. Mm. And I think they have maybe 60% of market share. If you happen to be with practices, as I am here in Sarasota, that don't use an Epic system, you're left even with your record maybe within a network not being amalgamated. I had no idea. I mean... I, you know, I just go to my doctor and that's the deal. But you, you have that insider's knowledge. I, I used that's the fa- example. I used the example this morning, actually, on the tennis court as I was talking about this with someone. You think about what is known about each of us for a credit score, right? How much of mm, our background is sure, together. Sure. Think about with a Carfax report. How right. much is known about your vehicle, whether you want people right. to know it or not. Right, right. Those two pieces in our society are frankly more advanced than our personal healthcare records. That's an interesting point. It's an interesting point. Of course, now, now, of course, then it always raises all the security stuff. Well, who has my data and is it secure? And, right. but you know, this is the world in which we live in and everything's a trade off. So I, I think I find that really fascinating. Well, so, so when you, when you got the idea to, to you and your co-founders got the idea to start uh, Pracy. What were the steps that you went through to, you had the discussion, say, yeah, we got to do this. How did you end up with the developers to say, these guys can write the software for it? What was, take us kind of some of the broad stroke steps that you went through to get to where we are now. It was actually very easy because neither my two partners nor myself have a, a programming background. And, you know, while I was willing to invest in this, I wanted to do that in a, a smart, intelligent fashion. And not really knowing that many ways to get at programmers that have this kind of background, we actually utilized an online recruiting tool for software developers. Oh, wow. And cool put our request out there. And Bob, we had answers from people in Russia. We had answers from people in Czechoslovakia. 
India? Um, <laughs> you bet we did. Yeah, and sure. We ferreted through those and actually found a very boutique development house in Austin. Yeah. It was actually a husband and wife and a staff at that point. They had walked away from big tech companies after having yep. worked for them for years. And and the idea resonated with, with the founders there as well. And where we got really lucky was these are very creative people. And they took mm. the concept and technically made it as elegant as it possibly could be. And I would have never, ever thought about seeking a patent on what we were developing, not thinking it was something of that nature. And again, as I was explaining what we were working on to a friend, uh, the suggestion was you should really explore if this is patentable. And that took me down a, a whole new rabbit hole in yes, terms of right. seeking a patent. But th does that impact the design? If, if you want to patent it, does that, does that affect the design of it, the coding and all that sort of jazz or certainly it, the naming? It's actually it. after the fact. So we, mm. we basically had the software two thirds of the way completed at the point in time we started down the patent path. Do you have any advisors along the way that kind of helped you get through it or just the, the three of you? You guys, absolutely. I uh, some, what I some love, startup advisors. What I think is great is, and I've realized this personally. Maybe you have too. As I continue to to age in this beautiful thing we called life, I, I absolutely become more and more knowledgeable of the fact that I don't know much. <laughs> and maybe when I was younger and and had a lot more ego. I might have been afraid to ask for help. And, oh, Bob, I am not afraid at all anymore. No, sorry, Bob. I mean, I got this 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 podcast here and I've had to, I don't know, half a dozen different software and whatnot. And I'll tell you what, it really humbles you. So, yeah, that's that's, that's why I have an admin right now to help me out. She's doing a great job. So I, well, I, that actually, I actually had the opportunity to bring um, three different people in to help my team. One was, um, and two of them actually came to me from a banker here in Sarasota. One is my business attorney with a local firm called Shoemaker. And he's our business attorney and, and a very trusted advisor. Mm. The second came from that same banker in a prior career. He worked with a investment house, Raymond James. Yep. And he introduced me to a gentleman who for 20 years reported on the insurance industry mm. from a financial perspective. And then actually through the same club that you and I belong to, Bob, I got a dear friend who was a fishing buddy who I knew had had some challenges with healthcare for he and his wife. Right. We, we demoed the software for him. And he immediately recognized the opportunity that was there. And his career had been in, in tech with IBM. Sure. So, sure. so I, was, I was able to gather, gather some pretty good brains to help me down this path. Wow, that's wonderful. That's wonderful because you certainly need kind of a, you know, the, the, the current colloquialism is the mastermind today to help you go through. But it's, it's absolutely true that you do need people on your team to help guide you through, because as soon as you have a big idea like this, you really need a diversity of, of folks that have real skills in these different areas. So what, you know, what's been the most difficult part 
of the journey so far? Well, first off, how long has this journey been from the day that you guys started talking about this? Excuse me, you and your your co-founders were talking about this. How long has the journey been? And then what's been the, the most, I guess, challenging or frustrating part that you that you just had to slog through? Uh, I would say the journey itself started just about four years ago. Mm. And that was going to to meet with a new business attorney and describing what we wanted to do and an intellectual property attorney and setting up the business and then hiring the developer. So that all started about four years ago. The patent process probably was, was one of the most frustrating parts of this. And a little of it is because I was, I was frankly ignorant of the process. It was mm. the first time I personally had gone through it. And patience is required in this process. It took us three years to obtain the patent grant. Wow. And it was a lot of back and forth and explaining and answering questions and being turned down and then going back and saying, no, excuse oh, me, wow. sir, examiner, you didn't quite understand. Uh, it was it was a frustrating process. And I say I'm stubborn. My attorney calls me persistent. <laughs> and and my partners say without those attributes, we probably would have given up. And probably many smaller companies do give up because Isn't that it, the truth? it takes time and money. Uh, but very happy to get that successful patent result at the end of year three. I mean, I'm curious. I'm wondering if the fact that it was a technology play, that you're submitting a technology patent, that that makes it more complicated and therefore a longer runway. So I was told when I was interviewing patent firms, and I was given three or four of the top ones in the country, each of them suggested to me that the grant rate on software applications is at best 30%. Oh, wow. Wow. And so you're really, you're really swimming upstream. When my company's application went into the patent office and we were assigned an examiner who focuses on technology, his personal historical grant rate at the time we were assigned to him was 3%. <laughs> So did I feel like odds were stacked against us? And was that wow. a frustrating part of this? Yes. Yes. Wow. Well, congrats to you that you slogged through and you pursued. Where are you right now in the process? So are you ready to launch this thing? And I guess, I guess, what is the next step? Where are you? What's the next step? So my partners and I don't have the skill set nor the desire to operate a software company. Yeah. The ideally when we developed the Precy software, the concept of having an insurance company that already has the right yeah. to access our records as their insureds, that really is the place that we'd like to see the software hmm. be resting and operating. Because in addition to ourselves, the next people that care most about the cost and quality of our care is the insurance company that's paying for it. So we are in the process of always looking for the right opportunity with an insurance company, the right opportunity with a technology company that's interested in getting into this arena. 
Uh, Oracle is one that's hot in the news today because they bought one of the largest medical record oh, wow. companies. Yep. Yep. And so we have a patent that says not only do we think our data system is unique, but so does the U.S. government. So I've got one box checked. The other box that we as a company want to check is to have the software in use, do a test case, do a beta test with a company. And, sure. and we're looking for that test case. And frankly, Bob, that test case doesn't have to be with medical data. The software, and in fact, I'm crazy enough to be seeking another patent, utilizing the software with non-medical data mm. to amalgamate any kind of data set. So my test case can be with anything. And, and as, as I have said from the beginning, when I realized the power of pulling data together, I actually enjoy uh, shooting sporting clay. It's one of my, my many sporting adventures. And so I understand how to use a shotgun for sport, and I understand how to use it safely. And it frankly breaks my heart when I see stories on our news about guns being used in, in ill fashion. Right. And from the get-go with our developer, when we talked about utilizing this for any kind of data, right. it, you know, the brainchild that, that I'd love to take somewhere next is... What are the right reasons and the right decision factors that go into allowing someone to purchase a gun? Yeah. And is it possible for my system to assist in pooling those right. factors together to help at that point of purchase? So right, right. getting it that's in a, use for healthcare today would be awesome. Seeing right. it utilized to do even more and better things tomorrow would be Totally icing on the cake. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's you're biting off two big chunks right there. <laughs> That's I'll tell you what, you have definitely not let the moss grow underneath your feet. And I wanted to segue into uh you know, part of your life that again that most people don't know, but you've actually been very um upfront about it because there's an article uh, in, in newspapers about it and that you lost your husband at a young age. His name was Tom and I did not get a chance to meet him. You and I met like a year or so after he passed and whatnot. But something, the reason why I really wanted you on this show was because um, I've been blessed to be married for 39 years, a wonderful, wonderful marriage, my high school sweetheart, whatnot. And I just can't imagine what it is to lose a spouse, but not only for a woman to lose her husband and then to carry on, get after it. You're still making a life. You're contributing, you're building, you're impacting the lives of other people. And, and it looks like in a very, very substantial way, positive way in the medical field and whatnot. So how in the heck did you overcome the loss of your husband? It's an interesting question, and and I don't know if overcome is the word. Many people that I have uh, had come into my life in this time that have been down a, a path of of losing a spouse, you know, suggest that it's certainly a process, and and it's it's not so much overcoming as it is moving forward and adapting. The acronym I use when I talk to people about the things that helped me the most are the three F's, faith, family, 
and friends. Mm. And and I have a strong and rich life with all three of those. Um, that was a big part of continuing to move forward each day. And I can understand in situations where people might be lacking in one or more of those, how a challenging change in your life could become even more challenging. My late husband and I actually moved to Sarasota in 04. Mm. And he had spent some of his youth in the Tampa area and enjoyed Florida. But he commented to me, I'll never forget, as we were standing on a property where we were building our home. He said, you know, Florida could be different than Illinois, where we came from. You know, people might not be as friendly. And, oh, he wasn't wrong often, but he was really <laughs> wrong about that. You know, we parked ourselves in this beautiful town of Sarasota in a wonderful neighborhood. And, and I am so comfortable and so surrounded by loving, caring friends and family. Um, it, it helps tremendously. And, I may be stubborn and persistent, but I'm also very positive. And, and I believe good things happen every day if you, if you go out and find them. Well, indeed you are. And I've just always, you know, thought the world of you to be able to go forward after that. But I, I guess, you know, I, I try to put myself in that situation to say, you know, was it, was it a process or was it, did you just put your foot in the ground and make a decision and say, I, you know, I got a lot of life left to live here and I'm, I'm just going to keep going forward. I mean, I, to me, I, it's just an amazing thing, which I guess is why I'm just, I'm, I'm enamored with the fact that you've been able to accomplish so much and, and are continuing to do so. I saw through my late husband's battle, a three-year cancer battle, mm. I saw a very strong will and desire to live. Mm. And I think that's in all of us. And it's probably tested in all of us to various degrees throughout our lives. Certainly a, a significant cancer illness tests it dramatically. But the loss of someone, you know, we all experience loss of parents, et cetera. It it tests it tests that that will to to move forward and to keep living. And and I think that will is there in all of us. You just gotta you just gotta bring it out. Well, it's a wonderful testimony to, to a strong-willed person, and uh, I just want to congratulate you on it. Where, where, back to uh, back to Pracy, where do you want to take this this business? So I want to see the software in use. I want to see our personal data, healthcare data, being amalgamated and being accessible for us to use and providers to use. So I guess my tagline is. Remember from that classic movie, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> so not only have I built it, Bob, but I- It bothers me that that's a classic movie. <laughs> <laughs> not I, only have you built it. I've built it. I've patented it. I'm in the process of, of getting it even more rigorously tested than we have. And, and I'm, I'm looking for that partner to come that really wants to be the one to operate it. Yep. Yep. Well, that's great. And if people want to reach you, reach out to you, where do they go? The best place is the company website. There's uh, easy ways to access me and my partners there. And that is PreciLLC.com, P-R-E-C-I-S-L-L-C.com. Yep. 
And I'm on it right now, and there's a nice sign-up uh, name, email, phone, and comments, and so you can contact Shar that way. Shar, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Everybody, thank you for listening in. And uh, I'll tell you what, when you um, – I don't know, when you go global with this thing, I'm going to have you back on the show. Thank you, Bob, and thank you for your help along the way and the encouragement. All right, you betcha. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for stopping by. I sure hope you enjoy listening to our interviews as much as we do providing them. If so, would you do me a little favor? Go to sarasotastories.co and enter in your email. That way you'll get notifications of all upcoming episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember, no matter where you go, to listen, learn, and connect. Connect.